Welcome to the podcast, Amazing Tales from Off and On Connecticut's Beaten Path, and I'm your host, Mike Allen. You know, some people like to collect stamps or coins, and others, like me, like to go around the state of Connecticut and find historic landmarks or structures and see exactly where they're located. Well, for me, there's nothing quite as fulfilling as finding one of those old stone mile markers that used to tell our forebearers, who used horse and buggy, just how far it was to the nearest county seat. Now, there used to be about 600 of these around the state. The number has dwindled, and you need to know where to go to find them. Well, luckily, I found such a person recently. Her name's Elizabeth Malloy. She lives in Haddam on the banks of the Connecticut River, and she's here today to talk about the Stone Mile Marker Program as it played out in her town centuries ago. You see, Elizabeth Malloy is executive director of the Haddam Historical Society. So stay tuned for Hiding in Plain Sight, Connecticut's historic stone mile markers. I'm Kathy Hermes with Connecticut Explored Magazine. In print and in our podcast, Grading the Nutmeg, we bring you fresh, fascinating, and inspiring stories of the people and places in Connecticut. If you're a regular listener to Amazing Tales, we know you'll love our podcast. Interviews with authors, historians, and changemakers co-hosted by the State Historian Emeritus and the publishers of Connecticut Explored. Available wherever you get your podcasts and at ctexplored.org. Check it out. There used to be about 600 stone mile markers scattered all over the state of Connecticut back in the days when turnpikes were made of dirt and transportation was provided by horses, buggies, and stagecoaches. Well, nowadays, of course, on our phone, we have apps that tell us exactly where we are, how fast we're going, where the traffic jams are, and the police radar traps, and how far we have to go to our destination. Well, welcome back to the 1700s, back when Connecticut's first roads were being built, and the occasional traveler really had no way of knowing how much longer they had to go to get to their destination. Now, before stone mile markers, there were rock piles, literally piles of rocks that marked either landmarks along the route, like you had a half of the distance to go, or alerting travelers to difficult conditions ahead, like a bad curve or a dip in the road. In those really old days, the destination was usually the county seat, and in fact, that's where the stone mile markers gave you destination distances too. And those county courthouses that we always heard about from the old days, well, they were located in the county seat, and that's where most of the formal business was conducted. Stone mile markers were displaying the number of miles to the destination and the county seat itself. So you might see some numbers, or you might see an H for Hartford or something like that. They were all different. In 1767, Connecticut decided it was time to set some standards for how the local towns were setting up all these stone mile markers along the turnpikes. And so they set some standards, but of course gave the towns no money to do it. So it took a while for all the stones to get into place, but they were supposed to be two feet high and of course measure one mile between them. And importantly, they were to be placed on the right side of the road, and that possibly set the standard for why we drive on the right to this very day. Well, the installation of stone mile markers began all the way back in the pre-revolutionary years and continued until roughly 1825 when such markers were already adorning every major turnpike and then they were just replaced as needed. Well, depending on where you live, there may be some markers still nearby and a lot of that depends on whether or not you have one of the old dirt turnpikes passing anywhere near where you live. About 50 years ago, around about 1970, 
Connecticut's Transportation Department was told by the governor to do a survey to see just how many of these stone mile markers were still actually left around the state. And they found not many, but they replaced some of the ones that were missing, so there would be some rustic-looking fill-ins in certain locations. It's an incomplete program, and not all of them were replaced. Today, you're going to find fewer than 300 original stone markers around the state, and unfortunately, a lot of people have stolen many of the markers as keepsakes. Now, if you want a listing of the Stone Mile markers that I know about, just go to my Facebook page, Amazing Tale CT. I've listed them there. Well, meantime, I was lucky to track down Elizabeth Malloy. She's the executive director of the Historical Society of Haddam, Connecticut. She knows quite a bit about the old Stone Mile marker program and was good enough to point me in the right direction so I could see a couple of them myself in Haddam. You have written about Stone Mile markers and been published about it. I have personally, thanks to you, been able to find some original mile markers in Haddam. There is, to me at least, a certain lure to going out there and finding these. It's kind of exciting. It's fun. What about, from your perspective, why do you think people like these Stone Mile markers so much? Well, I think it's a chance to look at a tangible piece of history that was important to 19th century Connecticut. They can drive by and see them and appreciate how far our lives have come since horse and buggy days. What about the people who actually live on the property that have these stone mile markers? Do they find this an intrusion when people come by or is it a source of pride for them? I don't believe they find it an intrusion. Surprisingly, I don't think they get all that many gawkers. (laughs) A lot of people don't even know that they exist. So I think it's just really historians and history buffs that actually seek them out and look at them. It's not like hundreds of people stop by and take pictures or selfies or things with these milestones. They appreciate having them on their property, and some people actually take care of them. Now, there is a particular road in Haddam, a Walkley Road, that used to be part of the old Middlesex Turnpike. And I want to pick your brain a bit on the Middlesex Turnpike, and we won't go into too many local geographic positions per se, but suffice it to say there was this Middlesex Turnpike built. It was rerouted at one point in time. And when it was rerouted, these stone mile markers stayed on the old route, and this is where you can find uh, a lot of them today. Let's start off with where did the Middlesex Turnpike start and end? What what was it connecting? So it connected, it actually started in Weathersfield at the six-mile marker from Hartford. So it didn't directly go all the way into Hartford. It started in Weathersfield, and then it went south all the way to the Stagecoach Road in Saybrook. Now, this wasn't one of the original post roads in Connecticut, but I think you term it sort of one of the earlier roads in Connecticut. It is an earlier turnpike. There was a boom of turnpike building at the end of the 18th and early 19th centuries. So it was one of the early ones in terms of being incorporated. In 1802 is when they incorporated. You know, when you always talk about the highway coming through town, how much it means to business people because it brings traffic through. What did it mean to Haddam when the Middlesex Turnpike was built? Well, interestingly, Middlesex County was formed in 1785, and for some strange reason, they appointed two county seats, Middletown and Haddam. 
So half the year court was held here in Haddam and half the year it was held up in Middletown. And I think it was important to have a good road that provided transportation to Haddam for court sessions. So I think it was very important to the town government and people who had invested in bringing the court system here to have a good uh, turnpike into town. Now, some of those houses that I saw when I drove through the old Middlesex Turnpike look like they've been around almost probably back to the original Turnpike days, but then obviously it got rerouted to current State Route 154. Was that a huge uh, disruption for them? Oh, no, they probably enjoyed having the main road rerouted because, you know, traffic became a lot less intense and it became much more of a residential sort of type of neighborhood. Now, I know you don't work with the state DOT and you weren't around in Ben Franklin days, as neither was I, but there's always this mystery about how did they know how to place the markers every mile before there was a car odometer or an odometer, I think, on a stagecoach. But there are these rumors, these stories, and I'm not sure anybody's ever really nailed this down, that Ben Franklin had some sort of measuring device that he used on a stagecoach or loaned to somebody on a stagecoach so that they could measure these out at a mile. What have you sort of learned about that over the years? Interestingly, I really don't know how they measured these early mile markers. I have heard and read about the Benjamin Franklin myth uh, that he actually installed some along the Boston Post Road here in Connecticut. But then I've also read papers that have adamantly disputed that whole scenario, that he in no way would have even bothered to have put in mile markers or measured them, because it really wasn't the Postal Service's responsibility. It was really the local government's responsibility. Supposedly, he did create an odometer fairly early on, and that maybe other people were able to use it, but I honestly don't know how they measured the miles. Well, you're not alone. I don't know anybody who knows the answer to that question, as a matter of fact. Just to close the loop on the Ben Franklin story, because some people may be wondering what that was about, The U.S. Postal Service, where he was, I think, assistant postmaster or maybe the postmaster, I forget exactly, but he had said that the rates for mailing a letter would be based on how many miles, you know, the Pony Express or the writers had to go to deliver it. So that's where I think the Ben Franklin myth, as you put it, comes in. The other thing that's interesting about that story, and I'd be interested in your thoughts on this, are that the Pony Express writers, they knew their way around. They didn't need help to know it was 24 miles to Hartford. They knew because they rode this every day. You know, the question then comes in, so who did these stone markers actually benefit? And that's a good question. I think you're right that the postal service workers did not need to know how far it was to Hartford. I think that one of the reasons the Middlesex Turnpike Corporation installed these mile markers is they felt that it was providing a benefit to the people who are actually paying tolls to use these highways. So I think it was like a a perk. You know, they felt like, well, if you're paying two cents per horse, we're going to tell you how far it is to get to Hartford. And you raise a very excellent point, which is that many of these stone markers came in because the roads were owned privately. People were chartered by the state to build these roads, to maintain them, to operate them, and they would charge tolls to you know, continue to maintain them. And you're right, they did put these, these stone markers up there more or less as, as a convenience. You know, I got to tell you, so you told me where I could find several of these markers, and I went around and I found them, and they were right there. 
And what strikes me, I mean, the original ones, and then there are ones that the state replaced. Let's let's talk about that for a second, because the originals, for anybody who's hearing about stone mile markers for the first time, it's not like there was a uh, a template. There's brownstone, there's red stones, there's uh, the, the gray granite. They're they're all over the place. Was this just sort of left up to whoever owned the road? I think so, and I've read the same thing. I think there are a variety of different types of stones. They're granite, they're sandstone, they some have Roman numerals, some have Arabic numerals, some just say H for Hartford, some actually spell out the word Hartford. So there is quite a variety of different types of mile markers. And I think it was left up to the people who were responsible for, you know, creating the turnpike. Mm-hmm. Maybe the sad part of this story is there used to be by everybody's best estimate, somewhere between 500 and 600 of these stone mile markers at one point in time at their peak. And that number has dwindled down somewhere below 300. The state DOT, because of a governor's decree back in, I think, around 1970, went around and replaced as many as, uh, as many of the old missing markers as they could. And you were impacted by this. There are a couple in Haddam, they kind of stick out because they don't look original, but at the same time, it's kind of nice to have them there. What, what's your thought about all that? I agree. They do look very different than the original ones, but I agree also that I think having them there is nice. It sort of makes it consistent. One of the ones that was installed in the 1970s has actually already disappeared, and it disappeared fairly early on. And then a couple of other historic ones have clearly disappeared fairly recently as well. It's interesting because the original, at least what I've heard, is that originally they sledgehammered these stones down a foot or two to make sure exactly that didn't happen, that nobody would come along and just take them. Yeah, one of the ones that was recently removed was actually broken off at ground level. So they didn't dig it up or anything. They just broke it off. Wow. (laughs) It's uh, just incredible what lengths some people will go to. Obviously, at some point in time, we advanced as a society. We then went to, you know, wooden signs and and the signs we have today, which have reflecting ink, so you can headlights hit them at night and you can see where you're going very easily. And sometimes now, even electronic light up lights tell you where you're going. Do you have any idea, roughly ballpark, when we started to see? sort of wooden signs replace the stone mile markers as sort of the the way that it was done? Probably in the early 20th century. I mean, that was when the automobile became available and popular. And a lot of these major roads, turnpikes, were improved by the state of Connecticut. So it was at that time that they probably improved the signage as well. You know, as I do my research on stone mile markers, I find that there are pockets of the state where you find these. But you are in an area where you have these, and it's it's uh, fortunate, I think, that you have this as part of the history that you can point to in Haddam. How do you feel about that? Oh, I'm very proud of the fact that we still have at least five of them left here in Haddam, and I think it's a great testimony to you know, our historic past that people can go and visit these things and sort of, again, get this sort of tangible part of the Middlesex Turnpike and how important it was to Haddam's history. Now, have you ever personally gone elsewhere around the state and looked for these? Well, I do when I drive along Route 154. 
There are two more that I'm aware of in Middletown, on the south side of Middletown. But I haven't seen any farther to the south, but I know they're there. I just haven't been able to find them. So maybe you'll get lucky like me and find some historical society director further south who will be able to point you in the right direction. Correct. up this episode of Amazing Tales from off and on Connecticut's beaten path. Incidentally, it turns out that a tool known as a pendulum odometer was used to measure miles back in the colonial era. That tool was triangular in shape and it was mounted between the spokes of a carriage or stagecoach wheel. It counted each time the wheel went around once, each revolution. Well, then the driver multiplied the number of revolutions by the circumference of the wheel, and he could determine the number of miles traveled. Also, it turns out stagecoach companies use this system to set fares for travel within the states. Next week on Amazing Tales CT, Connecticut's had a lot of firsts over the years, and one of them, the first female governor elected in her own right, not following her husband into office. My guest next week was Governor Ella Grasso's administrative assistant in the 1970s, and he has some great stories to share. If you like the show, make sure you follow the podcast wherever you get your podcasts, and you'll be notified when the next episode is coming. And please spread the word. Tell your family, friends, colleagues all about the show. Amazing Tales from Off and On, Connecticut's Beaten Path is a production of True North Associates, LLC. This is Mike Allen. Be safe and please stay healthy. Mm-hmm.